Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of For Light in Life. I'm your host, Lucy, and today we are doing something a little bit different. From the title of this episode, you can clearly tell that it is a Marvel and Star Wars crossover episode. In my diversity in sci-fi pop culture episode, we did mention Marvel, and Jeremiah also sent in a voicemail several weeks back suggesting some Marvel content, which I appreciate. But I haven't actually done anything like this before. I am very excited for it, so after my usual but-firsts, we'll get right into it. But first! See, there it is. I want to take a minute and remind you that if you are capable of any type of art, painting, digital art, drawing, sculpting, Lego, anything, (laughs) please consider submitting some art for the VCU Illustration Project. If you heard our last episode, you know my friend Addie and I are going to be releasing a novel we wrote based on the universe of the Voicemail Cinematic Universe, which is an original Star Wars audio drama a bunch of Empire Radio fans created last year by sending in voicemails. We are trying to get a piece of art to represent each and every voicemail, so we can make a video with audio and visuals, and... Since our novel here relies somewhat on the knowledge of what happens in the VCU, we want to wait until the video is released for our book to come out, just so you have that option for better context. There's a link in the description to a Google Doc with a more detailed explanation. Please check it out if you can. Also, happy Women's History Month! Of course, we should celebrate and commemorate people who identify as women every month, But it is nice to have this set time to think about the strength and achievements of women everywhere. For instance, the very first woman to graduate medical school and become a doctor in the U.S. was Elizabeth Blackwell in 1849. Activist Rosa Parks was a vital part of the civil rights movement in the 50s, particularly known for participating in the Montgomery bus boycott in 1955 when she refused to give up her seat for a white passenger. In 1964, Congress welcomed its first female Asian-American, and also first woman of color, period, Representative Patsy T. Mink of Hawaii. Way back in the 1750s, a Cherokee woman named Nanyehi, also known by her English name Nancy Ward, joined the male warriors in a battle against their rivals, the Muscogee people, after her husband was killed in that same battle, and she was given a place in the Cherokee General Council for her actions. These are just a few of the billions of influential women who have made their mark in history, and I highly recommend doing some research of your own. Now, without further ado, let me explain what all this is about. Pretty much all of you at this point know that my favorite Star Wars show is The Clone Wars, my favorite Star Wars character is Ahsoka, and my favorite Star Wars ship is Ahsoka and Rex after having to explain to my dear mother what a ship is multiple times, it occurred to me that I should probably explain that to you all, just in case you need a refresher. Ship is short for relationship, and it basically refers to people or characters you think would be awesome in a romantic relationship together. There are a lot of controversial ships out there, including Rexoka, so if you don't like some of the ones that I like, that's great, I would never push that on you. Everyone interprets Star Wars in their own ways, which is kind of the beauty of it. Anyway, (laughs) so you're familiar with some of my favorite Star Wars characters in shows and whatnot, but what you probably don't know is that my favorite Marvel show is WandaVision, 
probably my favorite character is Wanda Maximoff. And probably my favorite ship is Wanda and Vision. If you don't know much about Marvel, that last sentence was probably extremely confusing. And that's why I would really recommend having a basic knowledge of WandaVision to continue with this episode. And also, this is the official spoiler warning for Clone Wars and WandaVision. One day, I was thinking about how much I love the previously mentioned Marvel things, and I was also thinking about how much I love the previous mentioned Star Wars things. And then I thought, wait a second, these two franchises would be very interesting to compare and contrast. And lo, this episode's idea was created. You might be thinking, Lucy, what similarities could a sitcom-style superhero show possibly have with an animated adventure show? You might be surprised by how many points I've come up with, and I can't wait to explore those together. The first thing I would like to talk about is the main characters. Now, a lot of people have expressed displeasure about Wanda and Vision's relationship, but he's an android, they say. This is ridiculous, they say. And I can see that point. I think it's a valid argument against the couple. And if you're one of those people who think that, then that's cool. But let's also remember that one of the main points of the Vision's character is that he acts more human than the actual humans in the Avengers, which is what the producers have said many times. And I think he just portrays that so well. Vision has all these deep thoughts about how to spend your life and what happiness is and being loyal to the people important to you. I really adore his character because of the sensitivity and how he is so grounded. And on the other side of things, if we look at Rex in Star Wars, he is basically the closest equivalent of Vision we've got in that universe, not gonna lie. Because he's a clone, he gets treated as less than human, more of an object than a living being, and basically like a droid. Vision actually is an android, and pretty much everyone but Wanda treats him like a weapon, or just something to protect. So we've got that going for us. Two very human characters who are treated less than. They both care about duty and protecting their families, and like how Vision has a very philosophical perspective on love and purpose, Rex also actively seeks out the truth about his part in the war and what being a good soldier really entails. These characters are probably some of the most aware out of the people they are surrounded by, and it's fascinating to see how others respond to that. When we take a look at our two heroines, we get some really big differences Wanda's character is all about grief and how she responds to it. She's had a very traumatic past, losing her parents and brother and husband and children. Her whole motivation is about how she deserves to be happy and just have someone who is there for her. That's why she creates Westview and this whole purely imaginary family for herself. She just lost the one person who gave her a sense of purpose in life, and she needs to have some stability while she's processing her grief. Wanda is pretty much the definition of an anti-hero. I would argue that she is the single most relatable and understandable villain that I have ever seen in any media or series ever. <laughs> she is the only villain that I have ever really liked and wanted to turn good, and the only villain I would be devastated to lose. 
And then we look at Ahsoka, and it's like night and day in most senses. While Wanda is a person that we see ourselves in and resonate with because of her grief and these very human aspects of her, Ahsoka is that person who inspires us and shows us the light at the end of the tunnel. If Wanda is grief, then Ahsoka is hope. Both are necessary for life. Ahsoka is such a pure character who knows how to stay true to her values and follow the path that is meant for her. She creates such a beautiful relationship with Anakin and Rex and Padme and Obi-Wan and the clones, but she also has that strength to step away from the Order when she knows it's the right thing to do. Ahsoka could have done the easy thing. She could have gone back to the life she's always known and stay where it seems like she's safe with a Jedi, but she knew that staying in an order that is truly hypocritical and blindly sways in whatever direction the Republic told it to wasn't in line with her values. Also, in battles or even just daily life, she is incredibly selfless and always puts the greater good ahead of herself. She blew up a Geonosian factory while she was inside of it, because she was determined to finish the mission and not let all the lives lost go to waste. In Rebels, spoiler alert, she battles Vader even through all the personal pain she must be feeling, because it gives Ezra and Kanan time to escape. Time and time again, she shows this classic heroism. And at her core, she is so full of light and hope and courage that the fans see, and we aspire to it. Her character brings others power when not a lot of things can. Ahsoka got me through a very tough time several years back because seeing her strength helped me find my own. And now I want to clarify what I said earlier. Yes, Wanda is relatable and Ahsoka is inspiring, but both of those adjectives apply to both characters in a different sense. Wanda's immense power as the Scarlet Witch is a symbol of how grief and trauma can also give you strength as you rise out of the ashes. And Ahsoka's youth and optimism and love is something that a lot of people, including myself, can really find representation in. So yes, these characters certainly have their differences, but both can be relatable and both can be inspiring in their own ways. Now, let's take a look at the TV shows themselves. WandaVision ran for one season with nine episodes. Clone Wars ran for seven seasons with 121 episodes. That's a big difference. Also, one is live action and one is animated. One is in a sitcom style and the other is... I don't even know what you'd call Clone Wars. We'll call it a space drama. It's hard to get any further apart from a town that is being accidentally held captive by a witch to create the life she wished she had to a galactic war with millions of identical soldiers and a bunch of space wizards. So we're pretty clearly not going to find a ton of similarities in the main plots here. However, if you look at how both shows progress, the further along you get, the more aware the characters become. Vision and Wanda become more aware of the inconsistencies in the fabricated world and the disturbances caused by Sword's investigation, Ahsoka, Rex, and the gang become more aware of the immorality of the Jedi and the Republic, and the grayness of what their duties truly are. I would say WandaVision is much more heavily focused on these characters' observations than Clone Wars is, but still, the similarities are there. 
taking a look at the themes in both shows, some of them would be a pretty big stretch to compare. There is something that plays a pretty large role in both, however, and that is how romantic relationships are approached. In Star Wars, there is obviously the Jedi Code that prohibits attachment because it could lead to the dark side. That's a debate for another day. (laughs) But because of that, any romantic relationships the Jedi have are surrounded by anxiety, and I shouldn't be doing this, and a lot of negative stigma, if you will. Obviously, all of the Jedi couples either die or just, like, never turn into anything, which is a tragedy in itself. It's my personal opinion that there was never actual love between Ahsoka and Lux. It was more of a crush at best. And most of that probably came from Ahsoka's curiosity about this strange separatist boy with different beliefs, and just about relationships in general. Obi-Wan and Satine were enough in love that he would leave the order for her, except she was killed. And now Anakin has an almost desperate love for Padme, and very much exhibits the dangerous type of attachment that the Code warns about. He is always terrified of losing her, and he almost treats her like she's the only steady thing in his life, and he's very possessive, which is not a super healthy thing in general. We see a parallel of this with Wanda, who fabricates an entire town and life for herself to stay with the man she loves. She goes into a ragey panic when Vision is temporarily killed from leaving the Hex, and her whole thing is about keeping her haven alive so she can keep Vision alive. It's very akin to Anakin turning to the dark side in hopes of saving Padme's life. Both Anakin and Wanda have lost so many people they love over their lives, between Shmi, Qui-Gon, sort of Ahsoka, Wanda's parents, Pietro, and Vision. And so, when they each have this one final person who understands them and can hold them together, they need to keep those people safe because they don't know how they'll be able to go on without them. And who can blame them? We've been going for a while now, but I do have one final point to make. These shows have prominent themes of right versus wrong, what is moral and what isn't, where the boundaries are, with Wanda imprisoning and mind-controlling hundreds of people to, air quote, play roles in her fantasy, sword agents like Monica Rambeau, Darcy Lewis, and Jimmy Woo spend a lot of time questioning the morality of this. Sometimes they go, wow, she's captured a whole town and turned them into her puppets, and she's got crazy dangerous magic that she might use to spread her control even further. But they also feel for Wanda and are trying to help her against the rest of S.W.O.R.D. because they understand how much pain she's faced and how desperately she wants to hold on to her loved ones. Wanda herself doesn't even fully realize what she's done till the final episodes, but once she does and she realizes how she's hurting the citizens of Westview, she wants to let them go. And us, the audience... We're also scrambling to make up our minds about if Wanda is evil or if she's a hero. And frankly, the answer is neither. It's a very thought-provoking storyline that is left largely to our own interpretation. In Clone Wars, it's a slightly different situation with the morals in question being about politics, the war, and the Jedi. Nonetheless, the characters still have these moments where they question everything. 
Rex has a huge experience of this on Umbara when the immensely evil Ponkrell purposefully gets so many clones killed and he wonders what he's really fighting for. Ahsoka has her main wake-up call at the Injustice of the Jedi Council when she's framed and they flat-out refuse to stick up for her. Obi-Wan has this constant internal struggle between obeying everything the Council and the Code says and following his gut, and often Anakin. Speaking of which, Anakin has been questioning the Jedi all along. He disagrees with their attachments policy. He disagrees with a lot of their orders. And he ultimately believes the Jedi are evil and trying to take everything away from him. I think most fans agree by now that the Jedi Order, during the time of the Clone War, was incredibly corrupted and just did what the Republic told them to. But the Separatists weren't great either, which leads us to wonder how we can really tell which side is in the right. Is there even a right side? What determines which side is more right? And most of all, if Clone Wars was told from the perspective of the Separatists, how momentously different would our view of the war be? There are probably even more differences and similarities between WandaVision and Clone Wars that we could dive into, but I'm just going to leave you with one final thought. Looking across all the many different television franchises, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Trek, Harry Potter, anime, Disney, etc., they all seem quite unique and like completely different experiences, which, to be fair, they mostly are. But when you look closer, you can see so many parallels between these shows that prove they aren't so vastly different. It's wonderful to be a fan of multiple types of shows because you get the experience of seeing multiple sides in all the ways these universes connect. No matter what you're interested in, at our cores, fans want to relate to the people on the screen, and we want to find these connections. So, here's to all the shows we love and finding common ground with the people around us. This episode has caused me some of the most excitement I've felt about my episodes in a while, aside from our big reveal last time, of course. Speaking of which, we have a couple voicemails with listener thoughts about said reveal, so let's transition over. I am very excited to play the two voicemails we got this week, so let's start off with a message from Retta. Hey Lucy, this is Retta. I just finished listening to your crossover episode with Addie, revealing your big project that you're working on together. Um, it's been on my to-do list for like the last week to send you both a voicemail. I'm sorry I didn't get around to it until now. Um, but I'm so excited for this big reveal. It sounds so phenomenal. I just love to hear you guys collaborating and talking about it together and uh, your voice acting even in just the little excerpt that you read was just fantastic and I'm so excited to hear the final product so I'll uh, hopefully set in another voicemail with a question later thanks thank you so much for the voicemail Retta I am so glad you're interested in our project and liked our last episode when Addie and I are planning and writing and recording our novel there are a lot of things we can control, but the one main thing we have no control over is what our response will be and what the listeners feel about it. It's a big relief to know that this is exciting to you and other listeners. I hope 
quality of this project lives up to your expectations and that we can all have a lot of fun along this adventure. Next up, we have a word from Jeremiah. Hi, Lucy. Jeremiah here from Empire Radio. So I'm in the middle of listening to your huge project reveal where Addie said that I have a cameo. That's pretty exciting. I'm very honored that I'm in the story. But I will say this. If you need me to voice a few lines as myself, I would definitely be willing to do that for you. Or if you don't need me to voice anything or whatnot, that's totally fine. But I thought I'd offer. But either way, I'm super excited for this story. Hopefully the VCU will be illustrated really quickly because I really want to hear this novel of an audio drama. So congratulations to you and Addie on this. Um, Like I said, if you need me to voice anything, I'd be more than happy to help. Bye. It's great to hear from you, Jeremiah. Thanks for the support and the voicemail. This is awesome that you're on board to voice some lines. Currently, your cameo does not say anything in the book. He just nods mild-manneredly. But I'll talk to Addie about this. We might work in a line for you or find another character you can voice or just enjoy the hilariousness of your existence as a quiet medic. We'll let you know. And yes, this is a great time for another plug for the VCU Illustration Project because while we have recently reached the halfway mark, it has taken us no joke, 10 months to reach this point, and I would really like it not to take 10 more. Thank you so much for the voicemails, Retta and Jeremiah, and now it's time for our Drabble. If you are unfamiliar with this term, a Drabble is a short story exactly 100 words long, and I read one I wrote every episode. This one is actually the first time I have ever written anything about Omega, which I had not even realized until now. Its title is Home, and let's give it a shot. Omega gazed at the hugeness of a speckled sky with awe. Each of those pinpricks of light were brilliant stars, entire planets, or distant galaxies. It reminded her of the ocean on Camino, so vast and wild and stretching out as far as she could see. Were there other children staring up into space right then? not knowing that she was looking right back at them? Was there another clone looking for a family, making a wish on a star to find a home? It's okay, she thought into the inky void. You'll find a home, just like I did. Well, there you have it. I wanted this episode's Drabble to have a theme of connection and sort of a vastness to it, which led me to the classic looking up at the sky thing. I spent a while trying to figure out what character would look up at the sky until I realized Omega was perfect for this. She is so curious about the galaxy and about other people, and she would be just the kid to be thinking about who's looking up just like her. It also fits because, of course, The Bad Batch is starting to wrap up its second season. Clearly, I'm not as talented as my friend Addie is at Omega's accent by a long shot, But I tried. If you have any thoughts about this episode, this Drabble, the big project, or anything at all, here are some ways you can get connected, there's that word again, and help the show grow. 
You can send me an email through my fan email, which is for lightandlife.podcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, no spaces. This is great if you have something you want to tell me, but for whatever reason, you can't send in a voicemail. That being said, you can definitely send in a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. There's a link in the description for that. As long as it is family-friendly and you have not specifically asked me not to, then I will play it on the show. Please leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps new people come over and find the show. Go ahead and follow the podcast if you like these sort of episodes. comes out every other Sunday. Finally, please share the show with your community so our community can grow. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I'm Lucy, and let's look for the light and life in our world together.